Welcome to the Sport Manitoba podcast, hosted by Nolan Cole. Welcome to episode 30 of the Sport Manitoba podcast. My name is Nolan Cole. I'm the digital media specialist at Sport Manitoba. At Sport Manitoba, our goal is simple. We aim to ensure every Manitoban has access to the resources they need to achieve their full athletic potential. And we do this every day by developing the skill sets of Manitoba's athletes, coaches, volunteers, and officials. We're also the main funding agency for amateur sport in the province. All of our previous episodes are available on all the podcast apps, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Check those out when you can. Also want to emphasize that we followed all public health and physical distancing guidelines in producing this podcast episode. As Pride Month continues in June, our organization has been promoting the need for inclusion and acceptance in our sport community, and we're very pleased to be joined on this episode by a prominent member of the LQBTQ2S Plus sport community, volleyball player Chris Voth. We'll talk to Chris next, right after a word from some of our sponsors and campaigns. Home is where the heart is, so this summer, show Manitoba some love. Keep yourself and others safe as you explore Manitoba and follow all local travel restrictions. Attractions, accommodations, and destinations around the province are working to keep you safe, so check their websites for information on operating hours, procedures, protocols, and other safety measures. For safe travel ideas and to get inspired to explore, visit TravelManitoba.com. The world of work is changing faster than ever and companies are racing to adapt to the new normal. With the rise in remote workers across all sectors, there is a greater need for better collaboration tools, access to information and improved security. At every turn, Konica Minolta is helping businesses reshape the workplace with artificial intelligence, cloud and mobility solutions. To learn more about digital transformation and ways to future-proof your workplace, go to konicaminolta.ca business. Sport Manitoba and Doctors Manitoba joined forces in 2013 to launch Fit Kids Healthy Kids. Both partners saw the need to promote physical literacy as a means to combat health risks associated with a sedentary lifestyle such as type 2 diabetes and obesity. Doctors Manitoba has been generously supporting Fit Kids Healthy Kids financially since its inception. Learn more at sportmanitoba.ca. After a stellar university career with his hometown University of Manitoba Bisons, Chris Voth came out as the first openly gay Canadian national team athlete in 2014. In addition to playing for his country, Chris would go on to play pro overseas before getting into coaching. He's currently busy promoting a new initiative, the website sportinclusion.ca, a project aimed at making the Canadian sports system safer and more welcoming. Joining me via Zoom from Quebec, where he's coaching the Canadian national team. Here's my conversation with Chris Voth. Why don't we just start there? I know you're coaching the national team. How long have you been there for? How's that going for you? Yeah, it's going really well. I think we're entering our fifth week of training. Uh, I've been here for a few extra weeks. I was working with the A team beforehand, just kind of helping out wherever needed. Uh, but now I'm with the next gen team. So it's the team that would fill any positions if there were injuries at VNL. Um, and we'll fill the North Sika roster depending on how many guys retire or not from that A team. How long have you been with the national team? Uh, this is my first year being here as a coach. I was supposed to be here last year as well, uh, but everything got shut down because of the pandemic. Yeah. And before that, I was a player for maybe eight summers or something yeah. growing up. So. And so I know I know about your playing career. Let's just stick with coaching first here because uh, 
did you kind of always know you wanted to get into coaching once your playing days were done or did it just kind of come about? I'm, I'm still not really sure where I want to go, to be honest. Uh, it's something that I'm very passionate about. I've always been wanting to give my knowledge to the next generation, try and help them out as much as possible. And I've always been a very proud Canadian. So to be a part of the national team is such an honor. And um, it's just so, so much fun working with these unbelievable players. And um, I just hope I can help them in any way possible. And then I know you, you got on with Red River College too, right? So you, uh, you're part of that staff now. Uh, how did that come about, coaching uh, with the Rebels? And how's that program going? I know the pandemic interrupted it. but Right. Yeah, it, it went really well. Um, I just kind of fell into that position. I knew the former head coach. And uh, so we kind of started talking about it a little bit. And then I threw my hat into the ring to apply for that job. And it worked out really well. Uh, I only took, I finished my bachelor uh, that year as well that I coached with the Rebels, but it was my classes were only in the second term. So the first term, I was able to just focus on coaching. So that was really nice. And then after that last season, I was working with my old Dutch team in the Netherlands. I'd landed my dream job in the Netherlands of coaching with my old pro team. So uh, if everything goes to plan, then I'll be back out there. Okay, and, and I'm going to ask you about Europe in a bit here. But uh, so as, as a player who's you know, transitioned to the coaching side of things, what is, what is your approach to, to coaching um, now that you have all that playing experience behind you? Yeah, so what was really cool about kind of playing in all different countries throughout the world is I get to see a lot of different coaching styles and what works for what type of player uh, and what worked for me personally. And then I'm still in that stage where I'm still trying to figure out who I am as a coach. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot of learning that goes on, but it's also a lot of, you know, figuring out, you know, my coaching style and and how I want to be interacting with athletes. As of right now, it's more of a facilitator and wanting to um, hear the athletes and and give feedback based on what they think um, is kind of happening with their game and not so much like a dictator. I, I played for a few dictator coaches throughout my entire career. And, um, you know, I, I feel like that really turns athletes off. And I just want to be inspiring to these athletes and try and get them to, you know, stick with volleyball and maybe direct them into certain ways that I found useful throughout my career. Are there certain traits you look for in players that, you know, you think, you know, if you have these two or three things, you'll be a very good player, whether it's off the court or, or on? Yeah, so to play professionally, I think the biggest thing is be able to be independent. A lot of people, they'll go overseas and they're used to, you know, the university lifestyle where, you know, maybe their parents are still making all their meals and their coaches do all the things for them and they go to classes and it's, you know, they everyone helps them out in their classes and they're able to just kind of get everyone to do a small chunk of their job or whatever they're doing. And then they're just able to succeed. But when you go overseas, it's really up to you as an athlete. You have to figure out where you want to go. You need to redefine yourself every time you change teams and figure out, again, go to that, like a bit of an identity crisis with who you want to be and how you want to play. Um, you have to find the grocery store. You have to perhaps find transportation to the gym. Sometimes you have to do your own work permit. And usually this is in a country where people don't speak English and aren't really wanting or willing to help you. Uh, so it's a you know, that's kind of tough. And then also being able to be alone. So normally when you're in those um, university settings that 
you're with your team and they're probably your best friends. But when you go overseas, like when I was in Czech Republic, I was in a city where no one really spoke English and my teammates all went off and did their own thing. So I was just alone for, you know, 22 hours a day. Um, and that could be tough, but I was at a, a pretty good place. So I could, you know, enjoy my time alone and, and figure out, you know, things that I would actually like to do. Uh, so that independence is a big one. I think the, um, there's a fine balance between stubbornness and openness. Uh, I think that it's okay to be a little stubborn because that means you're very passionate about what you're doing, but I think it needs to come from a place where you actually know what you're talking about. And to get to that place, you need to be open to a lot of different perspectives because when you change countries or um, even changing provinces, there's going to be a lot of different like philosophical approaches. And so I think that it's important to kind of have that open mindset and listen to that feedback that you get, maybe filter it a little bit so that it's in terms that you can understand a bit more. Um, but a lot of people will just like forget about what the coaches are saying, even if they're saying something that might be incorrect, they're seeing it from a different perspective and you should try and use that information to the, you know, as much as you can. So um, I think that that's a, a pretty big thing as well. Obviously hardworking, it goes without saying, uh, it's those athletes that work the hardest that are going to make it to the top. Um, but, you know, you have to have a passion for the sport in order to do that. It shouldn't feel like a job. I think every time, well, okay, not every time, but most of the time when I was out on the court, it was just for the enjoyment of the game. And I think that that allows me to work hard and then improve and then ultimately succeed. You played in, in Czech Republic, Finland, Netherlands, uh, the sport itself in, in Europe, do you find it's a different style than here in Canada or is it similar? I would say every country has their own yeah. style overall. Uh, some of that is dictated by the ball. So different countries will use a different like actual volleyball, which then changes the game a little bit because it'll move differently and certain players will have more an advantage compared to others. Um, so I would say there's a lot of differences. And then also in the mentality of the players. So when you are kind of more in Western Europe, there's a certain way, but then it turns into a bit more, you know, hyper-masculine, macho, the more East you go, I would say. Favorite place you've, you played in Europe? Definitely the Netherlands. I played there for three years, not consecutively. And then now I've been coaching there and it's just, just a happy place. It's a, a pretty strong league, to be honest. And the people there are just amazing. So I'm, I'm looking to be there for as long as I can. Is that one of their top sports? Like one of their most popular? No, their, their biggest one is football or soccer, I should yeah. say. Um, and they, I think volleyball might be the largest indoor sport in terms of how many people participate in it. Uh, but there's also other pro leagues there that I, I would say kind of, you know, overtake volleyball. Chris Voth is our guest on the Sport Manitoba podcast. We'll be right back with the second half of our conversation after this. Overloaded circuits and overworked extension cords are recipes for disaster in your home. Keep these tips in mind to help make your home safe. Make sure the outlets in your home are not overloaded with too many plugs. Extension cords should only be used on a temporary basis and are not intended as permanent household wiring. Inspect cords regularly for loose plugs and cracked insulation. Never use electrical tools or appliances near water as you could become a path for electricity. This message is brought to you by Manitoba Hydro. 
To celebrate Manitoba's 150th birthday, Sport Manitoba proudly published iconic stories from 150 years of sport in Manitoba. Written by author Sean Grassi, the book showcases outstanding athletes, teams, and events that made a profound impact on our sport community, with all proceeds going to Kids Sport Manitoba. Purchase your copy at kidsportcanada.ca slash manitoba. Kids who have fun playing sports are more likely to stay active and healthy for their entire lives. Sport Manitoba's Value of Sport campaign emphasizes the positive outcomes of participating in sport. Learn more at sportmanitoba.ca and join the conversation on social media with the hashtag ValueOfSportMB. Okay, let's uh, switch gears here. Let's talk a little bit about Pride Month. As you know, it's in June here. It's uh, wrapping up in about a week. Uh, I guess just the month itself, um, is it of special importance to you or, you know, is the dialogue for you kind of ongoing at this point? Yeah, I would say it definitely is special because of how special other people make it. Uh, Pride, in my world at least, used to just be one day you have kind of the Pride Parade and that was, you know, the big celebration, the big thing that would happen throughout the year uh, and then it turned into a week and we had a week of festivities and then now that is kind of that online format because you know we haven't been able to meet for the last couple of years uh, it's now a month and I think that's so cool um, because there's so many organizations that are, are trying to promote their you know equality and, and try and diversify and I just think it's so fantastic so at first I didn't you know know how the month would go but it's this one has been really special um especially because i'm doing my own research trying to combat homophobia in sport and uh, you know the pride month really shines a light on that you know issue for a lot of people and so now it's, it's really cool to be able to interact and share what i've learned so far um you know as i prepare to do that research sportinclusion.ca which you're a part of just launched earlier this year the website's uh Tell me about that and uh, why you got involved in it. Yeah, so I'm not officially involved. I was just kind of promoting it um, from the side for other kind of news outlets. But um, it's just basically a, an organization that will kind of help other organizations with their policies and, and kind of direct them a little bit. I think uh, part of the problem right now is that people don't want to misstep. And so in by having that fear, it kind of, uh, you know, paralyzes them and they won't, you know, take the necessary steps, but this is just a good resource for people to reach out to and, um, and then they can answer any questions that they have or, you know, however that would look for their organization. Are, are there certain things you'd like to see in the sport community going forward, maybe some tangible things um, that, is more inclusive uh, to the LGBTQ2S plus community? Certain things you would you would like to see? Yeah, sure. So something that I was hoping for when I first came out is that more athletes would come out. Um, it's the chicken and the egg because you can't have more athletes coming out without it being a safer environment. And I, and my, with my own views, but also in the research, the more out athletes there are, the more comfortable other people will be with those athletes. Um, so it's what comes first, right? One of them has to, has to happen. And so, uh, I would like to see there be more out athletes, but I'm not obviously pressuring people to come out. It's, it's their own personal decision. Um, if organizations could promote the fact that they're more inclusive, I think that would be a big step. We just had Carl come out, um, and the NFL before that did a huge panel with a couple other 
former gay athletes. Um, and I, you know, they're, the NFL is obviously working really hard and has had a lot of athletes come out throughout the last couple of decades. So um, that's pretty cool. I think hiring two S LGBTQ plus uh, coaches would be really nice or having them in the support staff so they can see things from another perspective as well. And it could just be little things that, that, you know, they'll see and be like, Oh, we need to change this, but it's having that, that person there to have that perspective to make that change, I think is really important. Why do you think uh, that sports have maybe been a little slower than other aspects of society in kind of embracing this movement? Is it just because, uh, you know, it's more, you know, predominantly maybe a male domain in the past and, and it has those types of, you know, not stereotypes, but it has those elements as part of the sporting world that I think have been slower to change than, than other aspects. Would you agree with that? And do you, do you think that is, is part of the, the issue as well? I would say so, but I would also say that sport can act as a catalyst for society. And so it's, again, it's difficult to, to decide which one is better or worse. <laughs> um, two things that come to mind right now would be capitalism's impact on sport. So if right now in North America, a lot of the, the team sports are run as businesses and the major goal is to make money. And so are they willing to take a chance on an athlete who might upset some of their fan base uh, or impact the team's you know, focus for a, for a game? I don't know if they would be willing to do that. Um, and so I think that is a serious thing, at least in North America, maybe not so much in in other leagues around the world, but definitely North America, I would say that's up there. And then also a lot of coaches are former players like myself. And so when they grow up in that heteronormative uh, environment, then they're just perpetuating that just by the fact that they're doing things that they saw when they were a player, you know, like a coach taught this way. So now I'm going to do it this way because it worked pretty well for me. So I'm just going to keep that going. Um, so those are kind of the biggest ones. Now, Sport overall, I think it's, it's comes down to like hegemonic masculinity and people's perception of how they think that they should be behaving, which is really kind of strange to think about. Uh, but people like sport is all about being the most masculine. Who's the fastest, who's the strongest, who can jump the highest. And so masculine is like a huge part of sport. And so, you, you know, and now people are acting in ways that they think are the most masculine, but their perceptions of how they create that definition um, to me are super fascinating. And I think are also part of the problem where the definition has been changing throughout the years. And I think now if it just went through a little bit more of a, of a change that it would have, uh, you know, a positive impact. Well, and certainly yourself, I mean, you're one of the best players in, in, in Bison history and one of the best players to come out of the province. So the idea that only, you know, heterosexual uh, individuals can excel in sport is obviously not true, as you're, you're well aware. So I guess, you know, if those athletes can make an impact at the youth level and stick and stay with their sport and, and do well, maybe that could trickle into the professional ranks in the future, right? Right. Yeah. And I... I didn't mean, I don't know if I did, but I didn't mean to say that heterosexuals were better. Yeah. I was saying that being more masculine, whatever that means, yeah. um, is yeah. something that people strive towards being. So there's actually, I, I wrote, uh, I, I don't know where it 
first came to be, but um, it might have been for a TED Talk that I gave years and years ago. I actually showed that gay athletes outperform straight athletes at the Olympics. Now, there is a bias with that because it would normally be the, the gay athletes who were already very successful in their sport would be able to come out. But there were still a lot of gay athletes who were succeeding at the Olympics. And I think that, um, you know, to overcome those barriers and to be able to, to prove your strength um, and also to take the weight off your shoulders when you do come out, then that has a positive impact with people's performance. So um, I'm, I'm a little biased. I would say gay athletes have an advantage in that area. Um, but yeah, I was trying to get across that, that sport is about being masculine and, um, our perception of masculine is yeah. kind of what's dictating behavior right now. For sure. And, and some of the stuff I've read, uh, you know, it sounds like you're, you know, a kind of, of a leader in this area. And it sounds like a lot of the interactions you've had with other athletes have been very positive, right. And we kind of see you as, as an inspirational figure. So I guess, has that been rewarding for you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's why I came out because, when I was growing up, I really didn't have that, that role model who was playing a sport, right? All the athletes that were coming out were retired. And so I didn't know if it was compatible to being gay and playing your sport. So I wanted to be that role model for other people. And, you know, if it helped one person, then to me, it was worth it. So um, the fact that I've had, you know, thousands and tens of thousands of people reaching out to me is amazing. Um, and I, I hope that there's more to come. I'm, that's what I'm trying to do with my research as well. It's just, it's called shining a light on the unseen athletes. And that's really what I'm hoping to do is just show that we exist and able to, to compete NBL. Just a few more questions and then we'll wrap up here, Chris, but, uh, are you still on the board for volleyball Manitoba? I am right now, uh, with my, my departure to the Netherlands, I'm taking a, a look to see if it's you know, doable to, to stay on there. There's such an amazing group of people there. And I really appreciate all the work that goes on, you know, at the board level. And so I'm really hoping to stay on, but I also know that I'm going to be pretty distant being in the Netherlands. And I don't know if it's fair to other people who want to be on the board um, and members on the board, because it'll be obviously that time difference. So my participation in meetings will obviously be a lot lower. Uh, in terms of Manitoba then, can you give me a little bit of insight into the work you've done with, with, with Volleyball Manitoba and maybe what, what you'd like to see in the province for the sport to grow here? Uh, because obviously, you know, Manitoba maybe doesn't have as much resources as, as some of the other provinces, Ontario, Quebec. Uh, what can be done here in Manitoba to, to make it more popular, do you think? Yeah, so um, in terms of, of the board, I'm right now on the high performance committee. So that's working with like provincial teams and also the communications and marketing committee. Uh, so it's not the sport initiation and reaching out and trying to get more people, but I do see a lot of value in that. And I think that that's really important for the sport and for our province. Um, I really think that like I used to, to help run a drop-in volleyball league for uh, a nonprofit in Winnipeg. And uh, I think there's, you know, people really want to be able to play volleyball, especially now when you can only be outdoors and we have some great beach courts at the Cindy Clausen Center. Uh, I, you know, I think that it's a great opportunity for Volleyball Manitoba to step in and provide that programming for as many populations as they can reach out to. Um, so, of course, I would like to see them reach out more to that 2S LGBTQ plus community. But I also really think it's important to, you know, venture further north and try and reach those Indigenous communities because I've volunteered a lot up there and there's some amazing athletes 
And I think that would be really cool to tap into that new market. I also wanted to ask you about kind of the pandemic and, and the impact it's had maybe on, on the volleyball community in your view. And now that, you know, it seems like there's light at the end of the tunnel here with this, uh, what, what is kind of the overall mood of, of the players and the programs that you're around now that we're uh, hopefully in the later stages of it? Yeah. So what was too bad about the, the pandemic is that a lot of the pro leagues in Europe are still operating. So it was only the youth sport athletes who were at a disadvantage. And so that kind of put our development a, a little further back as a country um, because we weren't able to compete where now with the VNL, the Italian team, for example, that was their B team that was competing, but um, who are about the same age as our next gen team. Uh, but they were able to play full the entire time because they were playing in a, in a pro league and, and one of the best pro leagues in the world. Um, so that I think hurts our development overall, but um, you know, it's also not so bad to take a break and uh, maybe if you had some injuries to kind of help get those injuries in, in order and maybe you can put more focus in the weight room. Uh, maybe you're able to watch more video and become more of a student of the game. So I think those are positive things that people can do. And yeah, I think it, it's now just important to kind of get going now that things are opening up a little bit more. And as long as that programming is there, then I hope people utilize it as much as possible. And uh, last question, Chris, just uh, what did the next few months look like for you here in 2021? And, and when will you be heading back overseas? Yeah, so our train will probably end at the mid end of August, you know, time frame. Um, it's not 100% sure right now, but I think it'll be, you know, in August at some point. And then as soon as I'm free, then I'm going to head out to the Netherlands, uh, hopefully, and um, coach my old team there. So some of my best friends in the world are on that team. And so it's, it was really special to get to play with them. But also now as a coach, it just adds a new element. So I'm really excited for that. And uh, my sister just had her first baby. So I'm, I'm super pumped for her and her husband. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's me right now. Um, I have my uh, master's proposal defense coming up. And um, then I'll be able to do the research for my master's and hopefully finish that within the next year. What's your master's in? It's a master of arts through the faculty of kinesiology and recreation management. Uh, and it's exploring the experiences of gay team sport professional athletes around the world. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Well, all the best with all that work and, and uh, thanks for taking the time today, Chris. Really appreciate you doing this. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. It's, it's always great to uh, connect with people back home and I, you know, hope that we can do it again sometime. Thanks again to Chris Voth for joining us during Pride Month on the Sport Manitoba podcast. Again, that website is sportinclusion.ca if you'd like to learn more and help make our sport community more welcoming to everyone. If you like this episode of the Sport Manitoba podcast, give us a rating and review and subscribe to our podcast. Each episode is available anywhere you get your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media. It's at Sport Manitoba on Twitter and Instagram and at SportMB on Facebook. And if you know of an athlete, coach, or somebody else involved in sport who you think would make for a good guest on our podcast, you can email me at podcast at sportmanitoba.ca. Happy Canada Day, everyone. Look for our next episode in July. I'm Nolan Cole. Thanks for listening to the Sport Manitoba podcast.